my wife and I, uh, Missy, uh, we used to live in Colorado. Beautiful. Loved it. We lived 45 minutes away from Rocky Mountain National Park. Beautiful. Loved it. Problem is, if you're driving out there from here, you've got to go through Kansas. Anybody ever made that drive before? Just, it is long, you know, and, and, and most people, most people don't get real excited about Kansas and, unless you're like my dad. His first trip out there, he loved it. I think he took like two or three rolls of film and I'm like, Dad, this is just the same thing over and over and over and over again. You know, it's just, just like wheat fields constantly. But there, there are these things in Kansas as you're, you're driving down the road, and, and I'll call them roadside attractions. You know, you, you ever seen it says stop here and see, you know, and then, and then it says, says whatever. One, this is one sign uh, up here. It says, see the largest prairie dog in the world. One mile to entrance. I don't know if you have ever seen that. I actually have never stopped. Okay, you know, that's one of those things that I've, I've just, I've seen is just like, no, not really. I'm just, I'm just going to keep on going. I don't really need that. You know, that's not going to enrich my life. But I, I was wondering, okay, is it real or is it not real? So I want to ask you, we're going to play a little game. I want you to play along. How many of you think, okay, that is, that is real? Raise, raise, raise your hand, okay, that's real. How many not real? Okay, not real. Let's look at the uh, picture, okay. It is, it is not real, okay. If you stopped and you drove to see world's largest prairie dog, that's what you're going to get, Okay. Uh, a, a big thing of, of concrete, okay? A big thing of concrete. The, another one that, uh, that they have there is um, the uh, world's largest ball of twine, okay? I don't know what else would draw you to Cawker City. Um, but besides that, okay, any, anybody ever, has anybody ever seen that before? I'm just, just, just wondering. Okay, you might not admit it if you have, I don't know. Um, but, okay, how many of you think, okay, yeah, that's, that's real, okay, the rest of you not, not real, okay, let's, let's take a look and see. Okay, it is, it is actually real. I don't know if that is like the official world's largest ball of twine, but they, they have that there. You can go and see it. They continue to add to it. Sometimes they have like a ball of twine uh, festival, okay? That's just, I, I, I just could not wait to, to be a part of that. Um, okay, th this next one, just uh, a couple months ago. <laughs> Holy moly, yes. Um, that, is, that is a big cow. And actually, I, I, I saw that, and, and, and just real quick, real? Anybody real? Not real. That is actually real. You're like, no way. Uh, that, that, that cow is actually a steer, and he has a name, Nickers. Uh, he is from Australia. That's one of those ones that I, I saw just uh, a couple months ago, and I, I saw, I don't know if it was on Facebook or, or Twitter, or somebody put it on there. And it's just one of those things I just went by. I thought, doubt it, you know. 
No way. That's not real. But just it, it is real. He is an older steer and just the way that he's been bred and everything, he is, is that big. I mean, he is that that big. And, and, and when I first saw it, I thought, hmm, that's, that's not real. But upon further investigation, okay, upon further investigation, that is real. As we're in this series called Doubt It, you know, we are we're exploring different doubts uh, in our faith. And, and, and probably all of us at some point in time you know, certain things, there have probably been certain aspects of our faith where we have had doubt, where we've just questioned a little bit, and, and, and we thought about, you know, is that, is that really true, God? Is that, is, that really, is that really real? And while we question that sometimes as, as Christians or followers of Jesus, the, the rest of the world sometimes definitely does, and, they, and sometimes they say that, there's no way that that is real. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And if I was to ask the question today, uh, of you, how many of you would say, yeah, that's real? And then maybe some people are, no, that's, that's, that's not real, okay? We, but as, as followers in Jesus, we would say that that is real, right? That all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful, okay? Just like it says in 2 Timothy, Paul in 2 Timothy, Paul was, was writing a letter. He's writing a letter to a young pastor, and he was writing all these things. And, and he spoke this uh, to Timothy. And he said this, all, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for this. It's useful for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And we would say, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's right. Okay? Some of us... Uh, how many of you ever heard this, this before? The Bible says it. I believe it. And that settles it. Okay, anybody ever heard that before? How many of you would believe that? Right, raise your hand. This is a little participation here. The, the Bible says it. I believe it. And that settles it. And you may say, yes, that's true. That's right. I believe that. I, I believe that. But sometimes that might not be real helpful. How many of you in here, you, your parents ever told you, and they, they, they asked you to do something, whatever it was, they, they, they said, hey, I need, need you to do this, and, and you asked the question why, or you wanted to go and do something, they said no, and they said why, and, and then they, your parents, they responded, how? Because, because I said so, okay, because I said so. And how many of you as parents, have ever used that same line? Because and and how did how did that work with your kids? Okay, maybe, maybe you know maybe some of them they're just they're just afraid of you. It does not work real well with mine. They're like, come on, Dad, really give us that's not really an answer. Okay, and I I think sometimes this the Bible says it 
And I believe it, and that settles that. That's kind of the, the because I said so kind of answer when it, when it comes to the, the question of is the Bible reliable and true? And that's kind of what, that's what we're exploring today. Because honestly, some people, when it comes to the scriptures, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to the Second Timothy 3 that I read earlier, they kind of they doubt it. They kind of doubt it. They're like, eh, it's not real. So what I want to do just the, this morning is that I want to give you a, a, just a few things to, to show you for some, some things to, for you to think about that the Bible, that will hopefully show you the Bible is reliable. It is true. And this, uh, this one graphic here I want to show you next. And it may be hard for you to see. I'm not sure. I'm going to read, read through it. I've got to look back here because my eyes are not good enough to see right back there, okay? These are ancient manuscripts, how the numbers stack up, okay? And we're going to start in the bottom left corner, okay? Nine, okay? Nine manuscripts, and that is of the Jewish war by first century historian Josephus, okay? You see that, that little itty bitty stack down there? We, we have nine of them. Okay, the um, Plato, okay, have you ever heard of Plato, okay, his writings, we have 30 ancient manuscripts of Plato. Homer's Iliad, okay, one of the most famous Greek stories, there are Homer's Iliad, we have 650 copies of that, and then Far right, big stack, New Testament. Okay, we have 24,000 manuscripts. Okay, 24,000 manuscripts. Some of that is in Greek. Some of it is in Latin. But I want you just to notice just the sheer volume of manuscripts that we have that points, okay, that points to the reliability of the scriptures, to the truth of the scriptures, that, that what we have is accurate, okay? Nothing else, nothing else in all ancient scripture even comes close to what we have in the New Testament, now, in that, maybe if you've studied this before, you've looked, maybe, maybe you said, yeah, we have all those. But in some of those 24,000, there are uh, variants, okay? And you call those, just kind of the technical name is textual variants, okay, to where maybe there's some difference. But, but out of all of those variants, most of the variants have to do with spelling, okay? Like... It was spelled, and this is just an example, red, R-E-D, and one of the scribes wrote it, R-E-A-D, okay? That's the textual variant, okay? And, and sometimes it is word order, okay, that the word order is put, put differently, and those are textual variants. Well, some people will say, yeah, but there's all these variants, okay? But out of all of those, okay, out of all those manuscripts that we have and out of the variants that are in there, I know this sounds kind of technical right now, but I want you to, want you to listen. I want you to get this, okay? Out of all that, none of them, 
none of them really affect the meaning or the doctrine or the teaching of the Bible that you have at all. Meaning that it is very, 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 very accurate. It is very accurate. Okay? And the other thing is that we, we have all of those, and nobody, nobody really ever questions the works of Josephus. Nobody really questions Plato. Nobody ever really questions Homer's Iliad. But everybody questions the Bible. Everybody questions the New Testament. But I want you to realize that it is reliable. And that's just the New Testament. The, the, the Old Testament, we don't have we don't have quite as much, quite as many manuscripts as far as, as it goes. And uh, one, of, one of the latest ones that, that we had, that we did have, was around 900 A.D., Okay, one of the one of the manuscripts until uh, until last century in in the mid I want to say like the 1940s or so, some some people were um, excavating some stuff and, and there was actually a little little boy who found in the, these caves these these scrolls and they're called the Qumran or Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, and those. Those dated, I want you to get this, okay? Those dated about 900 years earlier than what we did have. Okay, so let me set this picture up for you. What we did have was we had Old Testament, okay? Then they found the Dead Sea Scrolls that went back almost 1,000 years earlier. And when they compare those two side by side, Almost zero change. Okay, almost zero change at all. Which means that it is your New Testament, your Bible is very, very accurate. It is, it is reliable. Norman Geisler, in his book, he is an apologist, in his book, When Skeptics Ask, says this. He says, we have 100% of the New Testament, and we are sure about 99.5% of it, okay? We have 100% of the New Testament, and we are sure about 99.5% of it. It means what you read is reliable. If this is, if this is something that, that interests you, um, you know, I, I want to give you a site just for, for more, you know, where, where you can dig in more, it is www.rzim.org. And that is the ministry of a guy named Ravi Zacharias, okay? And he, he is a guy who goes around to college campuses, and he, he lectures on stuff like about the reliability of the Bible and everything. But I want you to take, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to pick it up. Okay, I just want, want you to hold it. You know, if maybe you're looking at it on your phone, that's okay too. Okay, that's legal. I know some of you are, you know, looking at a Bible app or something. I want you to realize that the Bible that you have is reliable. The scriptures that you have 
They are reliable. About a week and a half ago, um, I got a, I got a text uh, from a, a girl from our student ministry. And she's a freshman in college now, and she, she texted me and said, Hey, Clint, um, can I call you sometime? I need some advice. I need to talk or something like that. And sometimes when you get texts like that, you're like, oh, no. You know, what, what, what's going on? What's wrong? Something like that. So she called when she was supposed to call, and we, we started talking. And she was in a philosophy class at uh, Purdue University. And in this class, she, as part of her assignment, was going to be in a debate, okay? And just kind of how it worked out, she had to, she got to, she didn't have to, she got to argue for God. And the other side, the other student she had to argue against was the, the whole concept that, that God is dead, okay? How many of you have seen that movie, God is Not Dead? Just, just curious, Okay. I mean, it was, it was like one of, one of those things that wasn't so much with her professor, but it was more a debate uh, with, with one of her classmates. So anyhow, I, I told her, I said, look, I'll, I'll try and I'll, I'll gather up some stuff, you know, and, and try to get some stuff together for you to, to, to send to you. So I got out some books, and then I, I just wasn't didn't have time to wade through everything and say, okay, this is going to be the most helpful thing for you, okay, and make photocopies of books. I wanted to give her all these books, but we just didn't, didn't have time. So, so I just looked up just on some of the website stuff, and I sent her that several links, but that link that was up there earlier, I, I sent to her, and I said, look, I said, just look on here. This website has a great search engine. If you, if you type in... Uh, this, uh, you know, the existence of God or, or whatever point you want to make, there'll, there'll be a ton of information come up. So, so she did that, and, and she said, thanks, you know, this is helpful. And hadn't really heard anything. So I text her Tuesday morning, and I said, hey, when is, when is your debate? You know, I knew, I knew it was going to be on Tuesday sometime. What time is it so we can be praying and everything? And uh, she she said, hey, it's at noon. And so, so it was praying at noon and, and everything. And then just a little bit later, we, I got a text back. And it was about 1.30. And it just said this. It said, we won. It said, we won. And that was awesome. And I, I wanted to know, okay, okay, you won. What, what does that mean? It went well for you. Or I wanted to, because I wanted to, the selfish part of me is like, yeah, we won. You know, I want to make sure. I wanted to know how you won. Was it you, you got an A? Was it the professor sided with you? And what it was was, and I think this is even cooler. It was a class vote. It was a class vote that most of the students in that philosophy class sided with them. All that just to say that the Bible that you have it's reliable. It is reliable. And then the, the, other, the other question that, that we have to ask, okay, you, you may have all this evidence, okay, you have all these manuscripts and, 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 and they point to it being reliable, that it points to it being accurate and, and all of these things, but you still have to ask the question, okay, 
Is it true? Is it true? And here are just, I want to give you just a, just a few things that I think point to the Bible, that point to the Scriptures being true. And the, first one, the first one is this. Messianic prophecies point to the Bible being true because of what they said about the person of Jesus. Messianic prophecies point to the Bible being true because of what they said about the person of Jesus. And I want you to realize that the, that the Bible that you have, okay, depending on what scholars that, that you talk to or that you read, was written, okay, over a period of somewhere between 1,400 and 1,600 years, okay? That's, that's the, the time period that it took to, to write it, okay? 1,400 to 1,600 years, okay? It was written by over 40 different authors. It was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And it was written on three different continents, three different continents. And yet, all of that comes together. It really comes together where you have, from the very beginning, some of the, the, the earliest writings pointing to Jesus from the very beginning. You have some of the earliest writings pointing to Jesus. So Messianic prophecies point to the Bible being true because of what they said about the person of Jesus. And another, at least the example for me, that it is true is this, that there are truths from the Bible that you, are know, that you know are true from experience. There are truths from the Bible that you know are true from experience. The, the sometimes you can be reading God's Word and you can look at it and you, can, you just know. You just know that this is true. Sometimes you, you can read through Proverbs you know, and if there are just certain proverbs, certain wisdom sayings that as you're reading through it, you're like, yeah, that's right. You're like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, a companion of fools, they will suffer harm, okay? Some of you, anybody ever had that experience that be true for you? You were just hanging out with the wrong people and you suffered harm because of, okay? Some of, some of those are, are, are true from experience, you know, sometimes maybe you have, whether you're a kid or, or an adult, you know, maybe, maybe you've been caught or, or you've, you've lied before or haven't been totally honest. And that starts to mount up, okay? And you start to, start to carry that. And, and what happens? Maybe, maybe your kids have experienced this before. What, what happens is they, they tell one lie, then you have to what? You've got to tell another lie. And just to keep it going, you have to keep having this, this snowball effect. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus says that, you know, that, he, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus also said, then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now, I don't know if you've experienced that before where finally you just come clean. You just... Tell the truth. 
And it's just like this huge burden is lifted off you. And because of that, you know, that, that speaks to me and says that there are truths from the Bible. There are truths from Scripture that you know are true from experience. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11 say this. It says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's God's word will not return to him void. Um, In our our small group uh, right now at church, uh, we are... We're, we're going through the book of Romans. And, and one of the things that, that we talked about uh, as, at the beginning of that study was just the people who have read just the book of Romans. And their life was changed as a result of it. One of them uh, in, was, was Augustine in the 300s that, that he, wasn't, he wasn't living a, a life that was very God-honoring and his mom had been praying for him and everything. And then he, he opened up his Bible and he read, started reading Romans and it, it changed his life. The same, same is true for in, in the 1500s with a guy named Martin Luther who read in the same book, read Romans and it completely changed his, his life. And, and I bet there are some people in here, I bet there are some of you that you've just, you, you've read the word before. You read a story. You read a passage. You read a parable, something that Jesus said. And it changed your life. Changed your perspective on something. And, and all of those things point to the Bible being true. Second Peter Chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 says this. says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I think another reason that we, we can believe that, that the Scriptures aren't just reliable, but they are true, is that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I believe that as they were written, you know, that the Holy Spirit inspired the authors, that the authors wrote it down in their own personality, in their own, in their own words, just like, you know, there are probably some of you, we could go around this room and all of you, you all have different personalities, you know, 
You guys are not all clones, and, and we're all thankful for that. You know that that not not everybody is the same, and and it's the true the same is true with scripture. You know some some of the ways that we know that that some people, you know, were more likely to write some of the books of the Bible is just because of the way that it was written. You know some of the things that that we attribute to the Apostle Paul, it is because it is kind of his personality that he writes in a certain style. You know, it'd be like, you know, watching a, a, a basketball game or something like that, and you have certain players that play certain ways. Same is true in, uh, you know, football with certain quarterbacks and things like that. Okay, same is true with that, that under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you know, that, that God would use these authors to, to, to write Scripture. And that's one of the things that, that I think just points to the truth of Scripture. Another one is, is this, and Adam talked about this last week, and I, I think this is the key. I think this is the key. And it is this, the resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of everything in the Christian faith, including the reliability and the truth of the Bible. The resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of everything in the Christian faith. And I know Adam talked about that last week, and he talked about you know, just some of the evidences of the, of the, um, of the resurrection. And I want you to realize that, that without that, okay, without the resurrection... Without the resurrection of Jesus, we do not have this today. We just don't. Because without, without the resurrection, there's no church. Without the resurrection, guess what? You and I are not here today. That everything Everything hinges on the resurrection. We believe, we believe that this is true. We believe that this is true because the resurrection is true. We believe that this is true because the resurrection is true. I want to read to you one more one more passage, and it won't be up on the it won't be up on the screens. But Matthew chapter sixteen, Jesus posed this question to his disciples, and he said this. He said, "Who do people say the Son of Man is?" And Son of Man is is the title that Jesus gave himself more so than any other title. Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, 
but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock or on this statement that you just said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And honestly, I think that is one of the greatest examples that this whole thing is true. That it's true. Because for centuries, okay, for centuries, people have tried to stomp out Christianity. And there is, there's no explanation that we are still here today, that we are still meeting, besides that something is going on here, something is very, very real. And I just, I believe that it's true that it's true. I mean, people have, have come along and, and they've said, you know, that for years and years they, they say, oh, this word, you can't believe it. It's not real. It's not reliable. You know, people used to say, people used to say that Jesus wasn't real, okay, that there was not a historical Jesus. Guess what? Nobody believes that anymore, even in the secular world, okay? Years ago, I mean, people would... The, Professors and, and very educated people would say there was no such person as Jesus. Nobody believes that anymore. Even, even secular people who, who are, are not into faith or anything, they believe that there was a historical Jesus. And Jesus said, the gates of hell, the gates of hell aren't going to overcome it. They're not. So if it's, if it's reliable, okay, if, if, if our New Testaments, if our Old Testaments, if all of it is reliable, and it's true, and, and it's true, what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean for me and what does that mean for you? What does, that, what does that mean for our marriages? What does that mean for our parenting? What does that mean for the way that we talk? What does that mean for the way that we treat one another? What does that mean when we are out in the workplace, when we're, when we're in meetings and stuff like that? It means that, that we can trust what it says. It means that we can trust what it says. It means that we can be confident in it. It means that we can be bold in it. It means that we need to read it. It means this. It means that your faith, it means that my faith, okay, I want you to understand this, is not fragile. Okay, it is not fragile. Your faith, in Jesus is not fragile. It is not hanging by a thread. Okay? It's just not. If somebody comes along and somebody smarter than you and, and way smarter than me comes along and says, well, it's not true because, and they give you some reason, let them do that. Don't go, well, the Bible said it, 
And I believe it, you know, so that settles it kind of thing. Because I don't know that that necessarily. So I'm, but just sometimes just a, you know what, I, I don't know is okay. Sometimes it's I don't know if you don't have the answer. Because guess what? Somebody else does have the answer. Somebody else has an answer. Because people have been trying to stomp it out for over 2,000 years. And yet, here we are. And guess what? The truth is still being proclaimed. And guess what? The church is still growing. It is still expanding. And it's because it is reliable and it's true. And I want you guys to, to understand. You can have confidence in it. You can be bold in it. You don't have to have all the answers all the time. Your faith, okay, Christianity is not fragile. It's not hanging by a thread. And it all goes back to, I believe, again, to the resurrection. I believe we can believe what the Bible says about Jesus because of the resurrection. It's not fragile. Your faith, is as tough as nails. Your faith is as tough as nails that were driven into the hands and feet of your Savior. And the gates of hell will not overcome that. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for today. And I thank you uh, for your word. And God, we, we come to you today and in, in we believe that, that it is reliable, that it is true, that we can trust it, that we can live it out, God, we believe and, and just proclaim that our, our faith is not fragile because we serve a Savior who is as tough as nails and, and he was not fragile. And God, I pray that you would use us in here to just proclaim this word that we believe is true. God, not just, not just so we can know the Bible. Because, Lord, that's, honestly, that's what the Pharisees did. They just, they knew your word, but in the end, they didn't really know you. And, God, that's what we want more than anything else is, is to know you, to know Jesus, and to live like him. And Father, we pray this in his name. Amen.